Welcome back after a short wait for this film not rated to this film not rated a branch at the Music City Drive-In Podcast Network. I'm Eric and I am Curtis and we're here catching up on 2023. Uh, we're here talking about movies as objectively as possible, but that's sort of the joke about the whole thing. So don't add us. Uh, <laughs> everybody thinks that there's an objective truth to a movie. So we're trying to find it because everyone else out there seems to think there's a right answer. So if you join us, we try and make it through 15 questions where we give completely objective facts to tell you the truth about a movie and not just some subject subjective opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then, and then we don't, and we fall off of that. And then we talk about movies for real, like people do. Yes. Um, yeah. If we can make it the 15 questions uh, this week, I think Curtis is in the gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we, he will get to ask for a special prop related to the movie chosen for the gauntlet. And so what, what is the movie we're talking about today, Curtis? Well, the one we're doing for the gauntlet day is uh, Shazam, which just came out this past weekend. Shazam Fury of the Gods is about how Billy Batson uh, is now going through sort of self-doubt imposter syndrome is kind of how they describe it at the beginning of, of the movie. And he's basically trying to prove his self-worth as a new superhero. That's, basically the movie okay so are you ready to go through and just tell us the truth about the movie the facts only completely the facts and only the facts nothing but okay i'm gonna pretend i didn't just hit my knee i'm gonna start asking you the question so was shazam fury of the gods good or bad Kind of like like with all DC movies, it is a superhero movie, and uh, DC tends to be kind of hit and miss when it comes to its uh, its uh, superhero stuff. Uh, when they first did Shazam, the first Shazam, it was typically seen as good, and uh, I didn't see anything uh, that would draw people away from this one and the crowd that I was with in the theater seemed to really enjoy it. Okay. So we don't have a definitive answer on that one. So let's just move on. What is the best scene in the movie? Is there, is there one that I could even point to as the best scene? It's all just kind of like blurring together in my head. Like nothing really stands out. So what should be cut from the movie? I have very concrete answers for all of these that are all completely and totally objective for sure. Um, I'm, I'm completely uh, sure that you do have those answers. Like I, uh, The first thing that, 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 that I thought of was the unicorn thing at the very beginning where uh, the, the Actually, youngest Actually, I'm going to go ahead and say that is absolutely objective. I think 100% of people would agree with you. Not 99.999%, like 100% of people. So we're going to let that give that a pass. Cut the unicorns okay. out of the movie completely. So, um... Uh, who's the best actor in the movie? 
Jack Dylan Grazer, I agree with you completely. That's, he was, yeah. he absolutely on the entire thing. 100% of people I, I, in the world, actually, they did a poll. 100% of people in the world absolutely agree with you on that one, too. So. There's, there's the, I, I was actually going to say Jack Dylan Grazer was the one that stood out the most to me in this film. Ah, uh, well, you know what? Why don't you tell us who the worst actor in the movie is? Worst performance would, I'd say, out of the three villainous sisters, uh, Lucy Liu. There we go. That's that fine. one only ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people would agree with you on that. One. But I will go ahead and finish this. Lucy Liu's performance as the as the main villain. She kind of was. She kind of felt one note throughout the entirety of of the movie. Well, that's the thing and, about the movie, isn't it? Is that she wasn't even really the main villain. They introduce Helen Mirren as if she's the main villain, and then Lucy Liu comes right. in and sweeps in as the main villain. Just yeah. like they introduce Shazam as if he, uh, or Billy Batson <laughs> as if he's the protagonist, and then Jack Dylan Grazer has an entire movie to himself <laughs> where he's the protagonist. Yes, this is this is all true, by the way. No, no lies detected here. Oh my gosh, what an exhausting, exhausting time at the theater. It, it throws a lot at you, expecting you to pick up on everything that that's that's going on. Doesn't really give a any one detail time to breathe enough uh, to let uh, to uh, let sink in. It's just kind of like fast paced. Let's get to the next thing. Let's get to the next thing. Uh, See, I felt like that for a little bit until I realized that there was just there was just nothing nothing to do. Uh, yeah, you know, it's like Billy Batson's thing is you know he wants to fight for his family and protect them, but he doesn't feel like he's up for it and he can't do it alone. Yeah, and and it's neat. It's neat the idea that he can't do it alone as an extension of the first movie where he tries to make himself a loner and push mm-hmm. people away, and that movie kind of is there. And I don't want to throw mm-hmm. any shade. I really like David F. Sandberg. He's the director of the first one and this one. Annabelle Creation lights out. He's he's a very creative, talented person. And there's, I always you got to like you got to have a little bit of like empathy or sympathy for the VFX houses that are being ground away that are creating all these crazy spectacles mm-hmm. that, you know, like we'd never be able to see if it weren't for it. And it's not their fault that it looks exactly like, you know, just like the generic carnage you have in transformers or, you know, like that the Philadelphia field thing just made me think of X-Men days of future past. And like every frame yeah. of the movie just makes me think I've seen this before. Like even, e- even the uh, intro scene for the villains, uh, it was was almost the exact same scene in Shazam One, where instead of just creatures attacking the board members, it's people attacking each other because of yeah. magic. And it, it, uh, oh, I just so many things. Yeah. Look, it just feels like in the, in the middle of a machine that was going in a direction that didn't know where it was going, and mm-hmm. we now know everything's been canceled and rebooted and all this kind of stuff. They just they they put together a movie. With a, a care and effort from a team that seems to genuinely care about, like, the characters. Yeah. And it's not their fault who cares. <laughs> right. It's weird. Every every single flaw I have with the movie is movie pointed out about itself. Mm-hmm. It, it opens up with uh, 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 Zachary Levi as, you know, Billy Batson, Shazam, sitting yeah. here saying... Well, I'm just kind of a compilation of the Flash and Superman and Batman is cooler than I am. And I don't really have anything unique to bring to the table. Yeah. It's like great opening. Strong, strong opening. Mm-hmm. And then they reintroduce Jack Dylan Grace's character and he's spectacular. And they introduce yeah. a nice little like romance thing for him. And 
then they point out, you know, like there's like a weird age difference thing and that that's kind of a like don't look too hard at it kind of romance. And yeah. um, Shazam grabs the tail of a giant dragon and is like, you're made of wood. That seems like a design flaw. And yeah, a fire breathing <laughs> dragon made out of wood seems like a design flaw. Like, mm-hmm. don't point this stuff out. Like, all you're going to do is draw people's attention to it. Like, I... It's, it's 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 not like that those things aren't aren't interesting things to think about but uh, i don't know it's it's like, during the final scene i i almost felt like i was watching a, a that that i i almost felt like i was watching like a a a more technically superior version of jason and the argonauts with the minotaur and the cyclops and everything that you were that that uh, you see in there right just minus jason or the argonauts except yeah. for that one scene where they're riding unicorns I don't know how much money Skittles paid oh, Warner God. Brothers. I forgot about that already. I, I again, no shade. It's cute. It's it, it's mm-hmm. funny. I, like that. I, what I was thinking when that was happening was I was thinking this. This is a very PG, but successful PG level humor. Yeah. And then right after that, taste the rainbow, motherfuck, and like they <laughs> cut her off, and I'm like, that's a very PG thirteen joke. Yeah. And then Helen Mirren, you know, we know we, we talk full spoilers on this podcast, gets stabbed through the chest and mm-hmm. it's completely bloodless. But at the same time, it's just violent enough that like, you know, it's it, this movie is very PG-13. Yeah. But it's also not. I, I seriously was looking like, what happened? is this PG? Is this PG-13? What is this? It felt simplistic enough and it felt so basic, like introducing concepts. Mm-hmm. And the the fantasy and whimsy of it felt aimed at like the younger Harry Potter years. Yes, and you could just you could just make it PG and tell people that Shazam is the superhero for kids who want to jump ahead and be superheroes and market it that way and let it be that way and like. Uh, I think that's the ultimate issue though with the with the Shazam Fury of the Gods is that there's. The, the 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 superhero movie genre is just so oversaturated at 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 at, at this point that you put out something like this that's just at the average it's going to get swallowed up and forgotten pretty quickly yeah i think so i think that's a big bummer is, is to to know like like and people in the industry they have to work you have to keep working yeah. so i think people are going to appreciate that they had a job and they were able to be paid for doing that job but yeah, to have something be like this, like, we're not doing anything special here. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, that's kind of a bummer, because this, you know. In contrast to Shazam, which has almost like, uh, comparing this to a movie like, you know, Creed 3, one I think we can move into next. Uh, Creed, it's, it's, it's a sequel. Yeah to a franchise and it does something unique even to the Rocky series as a whole that I haven't seen before uh, where you have someone coming in from their past and you have this whole different dynamic with the antagonist that I don't think Rocky's had ever with any of his people. The closest thing you could get with was Apollo Creed in the second one, but this goes all the way back to their childhood as far as like the, uh, as far as the, uh, the bond between, uh, Jonathan Majors and uh, Michael B. Jordan goes. 
But you're saying Creed 3, which, you know, is the second in the three movies we're going to talk about to catch up. We're talking about Shazam! Fury of the Gods, Creed 3, and uh, Scream 6. Yes. And you're saying that Creed 3 does something unique with its story so that it feels like an installment that earns its own two feet. Mm-hmm. And, and on that level, like, yeah, I agree with you. I think I really appreciated how carefully they wrote more to Adonis's backstory. Um, so I, yeah, I wanted to see Creed three because Creed one is one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And Creed two was pretty all right. Uh, these are movies that like floor me. Like I viscerally like, yeah. the emotions are, are so heavy that it feels like rocked. Like I have to sit still for a minute and process things at the end of it. Like that was a, that was an event uh, going to see that movie. Oh yeah. Um, and that's the kind of thing that you're looking for in, in a big blockbuster, like tentpole. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame that it came out like as early as it did. And, and seems like it's just being caught up in the mix of things. And already yeah. no one's talking about it anymore because Jonathan majors is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Yeah. His, his acting was so good that I, I knew what the trick was with him through the trailers and the movie still got me thinking, wait, I thought he was the antagonist. Why is he being so friendly? What's going on here? I don't get this. Right. Well, it's like a, it feels like it's a real relationship. Yes. And they're fighting for very real reasons. I would say I have my problems with it. Mm -hmm. I feel like the part where he is villainous feels a little forced and rushed. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he goes from, Oh, oh! I'm gonna immediately throw this out here. Like we're talking about the good and bad of Creed Three. I'm gonna talk about one thing that is hilariously like off the wall. Okay. The champion, the the person that Creed is championing and training in order to become the next, you know, heavyweight champion. I think it is. Yeah. Okay. Has to fight Jonathan Majors. <laughs> Gets knocked out illegally. Mm-hmm. Wakes up has lost his title to the guy that 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 cheated the victory away from him. Mm-hmm. And Creed is fighting to earn the title back for himself <laughs> from that guy. Like, yeah. Yeah, like real world-wise, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, thematically, it, it works really well. Yeah, emotionally, like it's, 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 it's pretty... Outstanding! What Michael B. Jordan, as a first-time director, manages to pull off. Yeah. Um, like th- there are a couple shots that stand out in my mind. Still, mm-hmm. when when Michael B. Jordan's leaving Jonathan Majors' uh, office for the for, for for the first time, you get that split hallway view, with the different backlightings, and you get this contrast of uh, lighting, and it's really really effective. I just for a second, the tension there is like, are they listening for one another? Mm-hmm. Are they, they're looking at each other through the wall. Like I, 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 I felt everyone else in the audience when I was watching that hold their breath. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also we had a very talkative person sitting a couple seats away from us. And so <laughs> it was very obvious when people were holding their breath. Cause you heard like, Oh, so Creed three, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the backstory that they write in where, you know, Adonis still has ties to, the community that he was in, in in group homes and things even after he was adopted 
mm-hmm. like that works and 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 feels right and the the reasoning for him feeling like he owes Jonathan Majors and all of this like mm-hmm. it feels it feels earned it feels uh like uh the word is verisimilitude um like true to life like it's something that could be a thing no nah, but uh like as far as like like that goes like the the aggression is uh the the aggression and and the uh the bad blood between the two is like very very male stereotype where they refuse to talk it out it's it's all through punches and they finally get over everything after a long punching fest at the very end. And, at, and after that, everything's cool. There's no bad blood between them after, 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 the, end, after the end of that final boxing match when uh, Creed's won. Uh, and they kind of cement that with that scene where Creed, where, where, where Adonis goes and, and talks to, uh, to Jonathan Majors in, in, in the locker room. And it's, it's, it's like everything that was said that needed to be said was said in in the ring and that that fight itself felt like a very personal thing on its own where even during that uh fight scene uh you get this really nice shot where there's this real quick cut and it's just them in the ring the audience is gone and it's treated as a one-on-one let's just get this out in the open and let's just get this over with uh, private are you affair, talking about almost. the shot where they're kids or are you talking about the whole sequence kind of the whole sequence okay yeah I, I'm curious what you thought about that I want to point out one thing real quick the sound design mm-hmm. that there's this this slick sort of uh, what's the word for it silk sort of zipping noise on, on like every punch like they're like they're always skirting past oh, yeah. one another like it, yes. it was the punches felt like they hit really hard everything felt really really visible yes um yeah that sequence you know it's uh, fully admitted to be completely anime inspired um the thing that it does it's it's unique to like every rocky installment and, and one of my favorite things about it is it was basically a way to condense real time in this very subjective way like so mm-hmm. they go in, they have one round and they go sit down and the bell dings and they go back to fight each other. And it happens in round two mm. when yes. they double punch and it yeah. comes back to reality. They're at the end yes. of round 11. Like you mentioned that, that, that it's, it's, it's admitted to be anime inspired. It felt a lot like a uh, Megalobox, which is this uh, boxing anime that uh, I really, really like. It's uh uh, has which itself has some 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 uh, inspirations to Rocky itself. It's also seen as a spiritual successor to another anime called Ashita no Joe. Uh, but yeah, I I could see a little bit of that in in this in this movie as well. Well, and the cross punch, people are saying that's a spoiler because that's pulled straight from Goku versus Majin Vegeta. Yeah, there there's, uh, I think uh, Michael B. Jordan also had him watch Akira. So you could get a sense of the the idea of like childhood relationships and the tragedy of someone falling apart. Like I definitely would watch Creed three like as a companion to Creed one and just like because of, of like the passion and the visceral nature of the fights and 
it has its own entertainment and has its own level of inspiration and guttural feeling of wanting to go to the gym and, you know, like overcome obstacles and, and all that anxiety. The only issue really I take with it is that the writing, like you said about the character not being able to verbalize things and having to fight with his punches and do that, Mm -hmm. uh, takes a lot of the subtext from Creed and just turns it into text for Creed three. I feel like Creed is a movie that is very much about everyone is asking him questions about why he's doing what he's doing, and he doesn't have answers for people. He just keeps fighting. Okay. So there's yeah. not these conversations that are bluntly pulling out in a text, you know, like, like you have to get treatment, she can't do this, there's obviously she's like you, and you have to talk about it, because she has to learn to talk about it, and measure and control, and all this kind of stuff. And I, I don't I don't hate it. I like the fact that it's giving you that to chew on, like, at face value. But mm-hmm. that makes me like Creed 3 for completely separate reasons than I like Creed 1. And so, yeah. Right. Uh, so... Yeah, no, very similar uh, reasons. I, I I like Creed one because of uh, it, because it, it it's uh, you know very much a a uh, a companion piece to uh, Rocky one where you have a lot of similar beats to to, to that, but it's building a, a a completely new character with a very different kind of past, and that is built up upon more in Creed three, and uh, I, that's why I would go back to watch Creed three is there it has a it, it it's building up on a character that is uh, very new to still the cinematic space and uh, there are a bunch of scenes in there that stick out in my mind that I would just love to see again. <laughs> this was this this was a shocker for me. Not going to lie. Uh what was the shocker for you? Oh, I hated Scream 5, so I had no I had I, I had no intentions of going to see to to see Scream 6. And despite having it the the same writers uh, I think they did a phenomenally better job with uh, with uh, Scream this time. Sounds specifying, like you may disagree. Specifying writers, I don't know, but I think I think that this movie was phenomenal in context of how it was made. Okay. Um. So this movie was greenlit, created, and finished in a year. Right, which uh, yeah. we, when you when you think back to it, a lot of like horror franchises used to do that, like Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth. You have oh, yeah. one coming out each year. Saw famously, Paranormal Activity. All of them do this for a while, but I think the level of intricacy of the set pieces and the the effort put into it for having been made. I remember like I, I was going to see the movie here. Hearing about Scream 6, you know, in pre-production. Mm-hmm. Then hearing in, I think, June. It was June of that year. Mm-hmm. That they were not going to get Sydney to return. Yeah. Um, that's going to kill me. I can't just not do that. I'm terrible, famously, with names. Uh, Nev Campbell. Oh, my gosh. Okay. There we go. So, uh. <laughs> You and I both hated Scream 5. Yes. And I think for similar, still a little bit different reasons. For me, the crux of the whole thing is that they didn't pick a direction. They tried to split it between being a commentary on elevated horror, being commentary on the negative backlash of of like toxic film circles that are unrelated to horror, like Star Wars and all of that. Mm-hmm. That 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 had gave its own problems to the movie, I think, which mainly is just I, I didn't like the killers at all. 
Like, mm-hmm. I didn't like the idea of the killers at all. I shouldn't say I didn't like the killers. Of course, you don't like people who kill people, you know? Like, right. But more than that, they hung a lot of the emotional weight of the legacy characters on the death of Dewey. Yes. And Dewey's death was so dumb. <laughs> After four movies of survival for him to go up and make a mistake that they bring up in every single movie, which is don't trust that the person is dead. Right. You know, like, or, you know, act like it into the, he did something that the dumb characters do. Right. Like, so it felt so disingenuous and like melodramatic the way they reacted to all that. And they made that bind the new characters, the old characters. And I didn't give a crap by the end about all of this. Like they were just forcing so many things. Like the heaviest emotional beats of that movie just seemed empty to me, and then the final reveal of the mystery was so nothing that mm-hmm. I just I I hated it. To, I I can't stand it. So then the surprising thing was Scream Six, the way they brought that forward and the way they let these four characters that survived from the first one bond, mm-hmm. I thought was fantastic. I really enjoyed all of the main characters, the core four or whatever, if they're going to insist on calling <laughs> themselves that. Oh gosh. Um. I really enjoyed all of their chemistry and, you know, the relationship being built up between Jenna Ortega and his character. And I just, I really believed them together and I liked them together. I cannot believe that two of them survived. Yeah. I I I can't, at at least one of them, I cannot believe survived. Yeah, that that was a stretch. That, that's it, bizarre. That's, that's more. That was more than a stretch. So, uh, so uh, yeah. Uh, Scream Six isn't without its issues for 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 sure. Scream Five. As soon as I, like, I hated Scream Five mostly, mostly because it felt like the writers were outwardly animus, outward, outwardly uh, blaming fans of film for not liking the ideas that they were doing, and so with the uh the main with the main villains of scream 5 being those kind of people the ones that wanted to put movies back on track it it, it felt like uh the writers were putting all the onus on what most people would see as their bad ideas on people on the fans not accepting what they were writing so it's not their fault it's the fans fault that's what i didn't like about scream 5 and that's what i couldn't get past with that movie uh, with but with 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 Scream Six, I, I actually think I I think they handled the characters of of Sam and Tara a lot better. They had this uh, uh, Sam kind of takes on a mother a motherly role towards uh, Tara, trying to keep her out of harm's way, and you get this whole mother not letting go of her child kind of scenario, which does play out and it plays out in a pretty pretty uh, 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 well executed way. I would like to think. Yeah, it's twisted and it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Drop me and like, give me the knife." You know, like, yeah. All right, I have to very on the nose let go. I still think the writing is absurd in this. It is. I, like just across the board, I think the direction one hundred percent is in the correct hands, and it saves like everything. Mm-hmm. Like that moment of her hanging and saying, "Like you have to let me go," is like so, <laughs> so cringe-inducingly obvious, but. The winking that it's like, let me defend myself and I'm going to pull this. And like the instant amount of tension is like, will she pull it off? The guy seems like he would, you know. Yeah. And like it becomes a moment of, of tension. Like she's going to pull off a stunt or something. Like yeah. that that was really great. The um sequence, the entire sequence in the apartment. Phenomenal. Oh, yes. 
uh, the entire sequence leading out through the window. It's like, oh my gosh. And the the mm-hmm. the character dropping from the ladder is like one of the most like, oh. Yes. No, there, there were times watching this that it, it felt like they were kind of letting go of the meta narrative that, that Scream is known for. Uh, it almost felt like it was just a story in Which, and of itself without giving any commentary on anything. And once they get to that scene in the park where... Uh, the one girl is is going it's through. It's a franchise now, thing. That, I, yeah. I I I got I I got uh, I got physically annoyed, and I wanted them to skip past this part so I could just get back to the movie. It felt yeah, like they had to. They said they were going to do with five. Yeah. They they there was there was publicity beforehand saying they were straying away from the meta elements of the thing and not going to do that. But then, then five was all about the yes. meta elements of everything. So uh, when, yeah. When, when whenever they started to lean into that that uh, franchise meta, I got insanely annoyed. But whenever anything else was uh, going on that made me forget about it, and I was just watching a horror movie, I was incredibly happy. Uh, e- even well, how see, I like the idea. I like there. Are, I think there are ways to continue to bring it about, and that brings me to Kirby, which was one of the most exciting things in the movie to me. The uh-huh. idea that a legacy character came back and has changed and is an FBI agent. And the yeah. idea that you you now have a police force personally invested in, like Dewey. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they are Randy also. Yes. So you ha- you can be in a room with the police having a serious discussion where the police would typically just wave off people who are horror fans. Mm-hmm. There's that conversation between Randy's niece and, and Kirby where they sort of poke at like Candyman original or, or reboot and like yeah. both. And they, you know, they're, they're kind of testing each other. There's this idea that if, if Ghostface is going to be based on, um, movies, mm-hmm. if, if the reason people are Ghostface is based on movies that you can bring those elements into taking the crime seriously and keep those things in balance. Right. I I'll just I break down the whole movie into this one issue for me. Sure. Um, if it was gonna be about the a family member of Richie's is is terrorizing them, mm-hmm. you could very much meta bring up stab two. It was the mom. Yeah. But they didn't they didn't know who his mom was around them. Mm. And you could have the characters be on edge, not knowing who in their life is related to Richie or not. Mm. And you have him go back and you're having him look up like who was at his funeral and who wasn't at his funeral. It was, oh, his sister wasn't at his funeral. What does his sister look like? Well, there's no record of her. We can't find that. We can't find that. Mm. Oh, the police are covering it up. You could have actually built the movie around that. Mm-hmm. Or you could follow what made the movie seem so interesting in the first place. Where someone, the whole start of the movie is we're going to finish Richie's movie. And those people are killed in a way by someone who straight up says, like, who gives a shit about movies, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And you could have just leaned entirely into, you have no idea why this is happening. Mm -hmm. Okay? That the layer of Ghostface stuff is now kind of there as a resource for Sam. Mm -hmm. Which that is a whole fascinating thing with her character. Yep. And then do something new and original with the villain. I, I'm actually, I would actually be way more like, oh my gosh, that's a good twist. If Kirby was a villain, than what actually ends up being the truth. Yeah. 
they had sold they, they had put enough pieces in place to make that make sense to me that when that was revealed i was like <laughs> yeah. oh man yeah i, I really I, liked her that's awesome though like oh like ah. <laughs> so, oh. but then yeah and like, and then i was like that must be why people are let down by the ending is because like she's a likable character and it sucks to, and then nope twist again <laughs> and then twist again like yeah yeah, the, the 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 one the one kill that took me out of it, which isn't really a kill, which you alluded to earlier, is 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 Chad's non death, which just should have yeah. been a straight up death. The a guy with his arms held out to his sides, who stabbed in the body repeatedly over and over again by two people, and then dropped to the ground. Yeah, and that that shot mm-hmm. where that happens is horrifying. And yes. then the two killers doing the same thing, like mirror image of each other, mm-hmm. is. Excellent and horrifying. Yeah. And and then, of course, it's like, well, three killers. <laughs> like, the only good thing about having three killers is it's too exhausting to try and do the work to figure out who was where. Yeah. So you don't, you don't run into the painfully obvious issue from Scream 5 mm-hmm. where that little girl, because Jack Quaid was with them in the elevator... Mm-hmm. The little girl is the one who killed Dewey. Yeah, that and mm-hmm. and and the Gale Weather chase scene around her apartment, I think, was really effective. Where, uh, oh my the, gosh, yeah, the way that everything was playing out, she could have very well died there, and it would have made sense with with how the movie was uh, going. And uh, yeah, it's very, and, it's it's again really and, weird for them to confirm she's not dead. Yeah, but also she didn't act like a moron. <laughs> like she acted like she knew what she what to do because she's been through this before. Uh, when when whenever she had a chance, she tried to shoot the guy in the head. She ran out of bullets though. Uh, whenever she tried to make the stab to the head, uh, the guy got her first. Like I mean, at- I can see it. Mm-hmm. I still don't understand why you wouldn't just take your phone, go to the front door, mm-hmm. shut the front door, call the police. <laughs> right. The dude could leave off of your balcony, but then you don't get stabbed. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about not dying, I know she has this streak in her of like, I have to catch the guy and that's why she doesn't make that decision. Mm-hmm. But it just, it always seems like a stretch for me to be like, it's like the smart thing when like everybody is just so weird. Mm-hmm. In in As far as Scream 5 and 6, everybody is just so weird. The killers are all just so weird. And like, no, like, I don't know. They They are fine up until when they reveal that they're the killers and then they just aren't people anymore. They're caricatures. He... How cool would it be to have a Scream movie where the killer is actually, their motivation is every time someone seems like there could be a potentially new ghost face, they Mm. pre-kill them. (laughs) Just take the opening of the movie Mm -hmm. and expand on that. Where every time Sam goes to hang out with somebody, Mm -hmm. ghost face kills them. Yeah. But the police keep finding out that there's some seedy thing that was going on with the people that are being killed. And Sam has to question, you know, like, am I really safe? Is there now a ghost face that's trying to kill it? Like, she has right. her own issues with seeing ghost face as a positive thing because of her father. Mm-hmm. There are just so many more interesting movies than what they come up with. That's the problem. And they've already greenlit Scream 7. Oh, wow. Okay. And yeah. I just... Just... I just want to see something different. <laughs> we almost did. It's so quick. And I got to 
I, I got to just appreciate it for what it is because mm-hmm. of how quickly they. Oh, oh yeah, I don't, I don't think I finished this. The Nev Campbell in June, mm-hmm. they they announced that she wasn't going to be in the movie. Right. So the movie was written assuming she was going to be in the movie in June, and it wrapped at the end of August. What did they rewrite? Either all they had to do was just cut out a couple of scenes or what. But the point is, that means they only had from midway through June to the end of August to make this movie that we that we yeah. ended up seeing. And they had from August until then to, like, cut it together. Okay. Clearly, they were super crunched and they were just trying to turn around and capitalize on having some success with the last one. Mm-hmm. And I think they did a much better job with this one than they did with the last one. Mm-hmm. At, like, I genuinely really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I, like, uh, I think Scream 6 is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so that's Creed 3, amazing. Scream 6, great. Mm-hmm. Shazam, Fury of the Gods. I forgot that that's what we started talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's so, about right. So we are This Film Not Rated. Again, we're a branch of the Music City Drive-In Podcast Network. So check out the musiccitydrivein.com and or go to the YouTube channel, Music City Drive-In. Mm-hmm. Um, or at drive at drive-in podcast yeah i think that's right yes the drive-in we are part of the drive-in podcast mm-hmm. network uh i'm eric you can find me at high contrast flm on twitter uh and i'm curtis you can i, I recently changed my twitter handle you can find me at uh talk anime ga on twitter now okay uh so what's your favorite 2023 movie <laughs> Oh,